I'm going to go with Bruce Coburn. Yes. One, two, three, four. Board. This is very Cajun-ish. Very gospel-y, south of the border. Um, before we go any farther, what? I did a quick search for you. On what? It's options. Oh, options instead of me saying the word folks all yes. the time? All right, here we go. Hey, brood. <laughs> brood. 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 Bye. Hey there, clan. That sounds a little racist. <laughs> Let's try this. You're listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Hi, my name's Drew. Good afternoon, Horde. <laughs> You're an idiot. These, really? Kinfolk. I like kinfolk. Yeah, okay, kin, yeah. Kinfolk. Although I got folk in there again. Oh, that's, see, that's why you're subconsciously going there. Crew, that's horrible. Gang, no. Mob. Really? Squad followed mob? The that's, mob squad? No, no. <laughs> squad, that's the cool kid lingo nowadays for their their. It's friends. my squad. Yeah. And troop. Yeah, no. No? All right. Try to help. Stupid! Oh! All right, folks, it's time for Ask the Pastor on the Drew... No, Ask the Preacher, because... Uh, <laughs> Would you shut up? Starring Bruxy Cavey, teaching pastor at the Meeting House. You know, if you can't talk about Jeebus at Christmas, then when can you? Bruxy, by the way... Do you realize you're actually now one of Canada's most infamous preachers? Isn't that kind of weird? That's weird, man. That's very weird. What does that mean? Why? Who says that? Well, um, how many people listen to you on a weekly basis? Let's stroke your ego for just a second. You have how many sites? How many meeting house sites? Okay, we're big. All right, we're big. I get it. Yeah. Okay. And then, there's, and then there's Bruxy.com, and then there's podcasts, and then there's your book, and then there's your speaking events. You know, you're, yep. you're, a, you're a cult all into itself. <laughs> Listen, I really, really, really want people to hear the message of Jesus. I think it's a life changer, so I'll do everything I can to get it out there. And, you know, when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, at first people looked at John the Baptist because he was the one raising his voice. So when you raise your voice, people are going to look at you, talk about you. But then my job is, once I get people's attention, is to redirect them towards Jesus. Bruxy is the author of The End of Religion, a great wee book, uh, which I have enjoyed. He's also the teaching pastor at the Meeting House, and he's a very good friend of mine. And um, and I have something I want to read to you first, Bruxy. And I know you've heard this before. And it's a bit long, but can you just bear with me? I'm with you. Thank you, sweetheart. I want you to make notes as I go through this, and let's go. Let's come back with this. Are you ready? All right. Okay. This is that Dear Believer letter, which I'm sure you've heard. Dear Believer, you asked me to consider Christianity as the answer for my life. I have done that, and I consider it untrue, repugnant, and harmful. Have you heard this before? No, I have not. This is new. You expect me to believe Jesus was born of a virgin, impregnated by a ghost? Do you believe all the crazy tales of ancient religions? Julius Caesar was reportedly born of a virgin. Roman historian uh, Suetonius, I don't know how you say his name, said Augustus bodily Augustus's bodily rose to heaven when he died, and Buddha was supposedly born speaking. You don't believe all that, do you? Why do you expect me to swallow the fables of Christianity? 
I find it incredible that you asked me to believe that the earth was created in six literal days. Women came from a man's rib. A snake, a donkey, and a burning bush spoke human language. The entire world was flooded, covering the mountains to drown evil. All animal species, millions of them, rode on one boat. Language variations stem from the Tower of Babel. Moses had a magic wand. The Nile turned to blood. A stick turned into a snake. Witches, wizards, and sorcerers really exist. Food rained from the sky for 40 years. People were cured by the sight of a brass serpent. The sun stood still to help Joshua win a battle, and it went backward for King Hezekiah. Men survived unaided in a fiery furnace. A detached hand floated in the air and rode on a wall. Men followed a star which directed them to a particular house. Jesus walked on water unaided. Fish and bread magically multiplied to feed the hungry. Water instantly turned into wine. Mental illness is caused by demons. A devil with wings exists who curses, uh, who causes evil. Uh, people were healed by stepping into a pool agitated by angels. Disembodied voices uh, spoke from the sky, or disembodied voice uh, spoke from the sky. Jesus vanished and later materialized from thin air. People were healed by Peter's shadow. Angels broke, out, broke people out of jail. A fiery lake of eternal torment awaits unbelievers under the earth, while there is life after death in a city which is 1,500 miles cubed with mansions and food for Christians only. I'll pause there. Thoughts, Bruxy Cavey? <laughs> well, I haven't heard this iteration before. This sounds like something I've heard a million times. There's nothing new under the sun. Right. So, The sun that went backwards. You're right. <laughs> this person sets the rules of the game, and here are the rules. Unless God acts in history in only purely natural, explainable, scientifically uh, verifiable ways, I won't believe it. I will mock it. Yet, if God did only act in history in purely natural, explainable, scientifically verifiable ways, I would not believe it, because I'd have nothing to believe except in science. So this is coming from a disposition that says, I'm not open to the evidence. Faith is damned if it does, damned if it doesn't. Either it's completely explainable, or if it's unexplainable, I will only mock it. And that's a person who's not open to the discussion, not open to the debate of the what if. What if there really is a God who actually can work beyond the rules of science? And that, that's that been shut down. There's no conversation to be had with a person who starts with this. Yeah, I have said to people over the years uh, who say, ooh, I really have a hard time believing X um, when it comes to God stuff and, and religious conversation, that sort of thing. My answer has kind of been this. Well, if there is a God, then God would be able to do X. By definition, God is able to do whatever God wants to do. Right, right. So so what, what we have to then say is, if we're open to the possibility of having the discussion of, could there be a God, is there any evidence, can we have that discussion? Which this person is saying, no, I don't want to have that discussion, because even if you give evidence that would suggest there's something miraculous happening in the world, I'll only mock it. So the person starts with mockery. We're not really having a, a thoughtful discussion. So, I but, say, I, but I, I find, but people that start with mockery, I actually am intrigued by because it means that there's something behind that. You don't spend time diving into mockery unless you're already engaged with the subject you're mocking. No, it's very true. I oh, think by the way, can behind. you just put down the the rye and tonic or the ginger and what are you drinking oh. there, uh, Brexy? <laughs> it's a coffee, but it's spiked with eggnog. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. Tis the season. Um, <laughs> So, 
No, you're so right. Um, some, there's something going on here, and in fact, there's there is uh, either a grave disappointment with religion or even a pain behind it that leads to mockery as being the front-end loaded form of communication. <laughs> um, and so I know that, but I'm not necessarily able to become that person's therapist or that that person's answer giver when they're not open to answer. So I just want to love on that person and then move on to someone who's at a place in their life where they're willing to to have a conversation instead of a spitball fight. Okay, let me just continue. This is, by the way, uh, yeah. uh, from Dan Barker. Uh, he is, um, the, the, his, I think it's his website or a book or something, Losing Faith in Faith from Preacher to Atheist. Hmm. Uh, that's a book of his, I believe. Um, so I'll continue. If Christianity were simply untrue, I would not be too concerned. Santa is untrue, but it is a harmless myth which people outgrow. But Christianity, besides being false, is also abhorrent. It amazes me that you claim to love the God of the Bible, a hateful, arrogant, sexist, cruel human being who can't tolerate criticism. I wouldn't want to live in the same neighborhood with such a creature. The biblical God is a macho male warrior. Though he said, Thou shalt not kill, he ordered death for all opposition, wholesale drowning and mass exterminations, punishes offspring to the fourth generation, ordered pregnant women and children to be ripped up, demands animal and human blood to appease his angry vanity, is partial to one race of people, the Jews. Uh, judges, that's the, do you remember that, Tim? The bears? Anybody? The bears, the bears, the bears, the okay. bears. Uh, is partial to one race of people, judges women to be inferior to men, is a sadist who created a hell to torture unbelievers, created evil, discriminated against the handicapped, ordered virgins to be kept as spoils of war, spread dung, which is poo-poo, on people's faces, sent bears to devour 42 children who teased a bald prophet, I get that one. <laughs> punishes people with snakes, dogs, dragons, drunkenness, swords, arrows, axes, fire, famine, and infanticide, and said fathers should eat their sons. Is this nice? Would you want to live next door to such a person? Pause. Bruxy? Wonderful. I would first of all say, if you are actually asking me as a Christian, I, would, I find my answers to all of these things in Christ. And if you're asking me to respond to all of the litany of stories of the Old Testament and not reframe them in the context of Jesus, then you need to ask a rabbi. That's his job. So what? all those things were, were, were problems for the Jews. That's a problem for the Jewish people. Go ask a rabbi. Well, I will say if you want to discuss those outside of the context of Jesus. So what I would say is that one of the primary messages of Jesus, of his mission, is that he has come to put an end to everything you just described. And if you're not on board with that, then but, we don't have any, anything more to, to discuss. But there is a verse. Um, there is a verse. Okay. okay. God right. is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, or whatever it says. Um, yeah. So... Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, but the way God works and the way he reveals and uh, himself changes all the time. I mean, the opening volley of John's Gospel says the word became flesh. That word became is one of the most potent words in all of Scripture. God actually became something. So God's heart may be the same, but the way he manifests, the way he opens up his heart so we can see more truth and then more truth and then more truth um, is is part of how God never changes. He is committed to that ongoing uh, revelation that gives us more and more. And so in Christ, God became something. He changes. That's a huge word in Scripture, that God, the unchangeable one, changes. He becomes 
flesh, something he had not been up until that point in time, in a way that reveals his heart like nothing before that. John 1 also goes on to say in verse 18, so that's verse 14, verse 18, he says that no one has ever really seen God. What? I mean, we've seen God in the Old Testament. Moses, we're told, talked to him face to face. John, who writes this, knows his Bible really, really well. And so for him to make a statement that actually no one's really seen God is to say, I know that Scripture says God came face to face and he talked to people, but you were only getting glimpses of who God is, and you're not really able to start the full conversation of who God is until you look at Jesus. Brother. Um, We're on the phone with Bruxy Cavey. We are in the middle of our Ask the Preacher segment. He is the teaching pastor at the Meeting House, and uh, I figured if you can't talk about Jesus at Christmas, then there's something wrong, by golly. Um, so let's just change gears slightly and, uh, and, and actually just narrow down the Jesus stuff, because we just, we just reeled off a whole bunch of Old Testament stuff, and that's the Jewish, that's the God of the Jews. So let's talk about Jesus. Well, Jesus is... I'm sorry, I'm going to continue with this Dear Believer uh, uh, letter. Jesus is a chip off the old block. He said, I and my Father are one, and he upheld every jot and tittle of the Old Testament law. Matthew 5.18. He preached the same old judgment, vengeance, and death, and wrath, and distress, and hell, and torture for all nonconformists. He believed in demons, angels, and spirits. He never denounced the subjugation of slaves or women. Women were excluded as disciples and as, and as guests in his, at his heavenly table. Except for the hell he introduced, nothing new to the ethics or philosophy. He was disrespectful of his mother and brothers. He said that we should hate our parents and desert our families. So much for the Christian family life. He denounced anger, but was often angry himself. He called people fools, serpents, and white sulp- whitewashed sepulchers. sepulchers. Though we warn that such language puts you in danger of hellfire, think not that I have come to send peace on earth. I have not. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Why is that W there? He irrationally cursed and withered a fig tree for being barren out of season. He mandated burning unbelievers. He told people to cut off their hands, feet, eyes, and sexual organs. You want me to accept Jesus, but I think I'll pick my own friend. Thank you. Bruxy Cavey? <laughs> Richard Dawkins had a category for this kind of writing. Uh, he had a category for when he was in a discussion with people or reading something with someone who was so emotionally guided that it started to lose all rational underpinnings so that it, it, to just call it wrong wouldn't be enough. In his category, he would say, sometimes I come across things that are not even wrong. And this is in that category. This is not even wrong. There's just no word for this. It is a stringing together of cliché and sound bites to paint a picture that at this point is even hard to unravel because it's so out of touch with reality when it comes to the Jesus bit. It's not even wrong. Okay, let's let's just pick a couple. Let's do a little shotgun thing here. How about the whole judge, anger, wrath thing of Jesus? Yeah. Part of the truth of Scripture is that we're not to judge because there is one who does judge and we're not him. So when we look at Jesus, we get to see God, who is the judge. But what did he judge? He judged religious hypocrisy and violence and, and other people being the judges of other people. He condemned all of that, and he loved the sinners, and he was exceedingly embracing and inclusive. So yes, we see Jesus as the judge. He's not being a hypocrite himself if he is showing us God. That's the whole point of Christian theology. We don't judge because there is a judge. If God just said, hey, do not judge, and listen, the good news is, I don't even judge. No one in the 
universe judges, then we would have a different letter, wouldn't we? He'd be saying, how dare this God say that is no one going to condemn Hitler for what he did? Is no, nobody going to call wrong, wrong? What about... And so we want a God who judges, and because he judges, we know we don't have to be judgmental. Jesus shows us both of those things. <sighs> okay. Um, Tim just reminded me to look at the clock, and boy, this just goes so fast. Let, <laughs> let me finish with this. All right. I'm going to finish with his letter here. Yeah. Uh, skipping apart, blah, blah, blah. I also find Christianity be, to be morally repugnant. The concepts of original sin, depravity, substitutionary forgiveness, intolerance, eternal punishment, and humble worship are all beneath the dignity of intelligent human beings and conflict with the values of kindness and reason. They are barbaric ideas for primitive cultures cowering in fear and ignorance. Finally, Christianity is harmful. More people have been killed in the name of God, of a God, uh, than for any other reason. The church has a shameful, bloody history of crusades, inquisitions, witch burnings, heresy trials, that we're not talking about Tony Campolo, uh, American ah. col colonial intolerance, disrespect of indigenous traditions such as American Indians, a support of slavery, op oppression of women. Modern fruits of religion include the Jonestown Massacre, the callous fraud of faith healers, recent wars and ethnic cleansing, fighting in Northern Ireland. Religion poses a danger to mental health, damaging self-respect, personal responsibility, and clarity of thought. I rest my case. It's a very bad case. <laughs> oh, Come dear. on. Those, so, are, you can't say that there are some good no, points in that part. Oh, there's wonderful points. It's just he's pointing the arrow at the wrong target. Uh, he said there, modern worship, this is the fruit of modern, or sorry, modern religion, and he's exactly right. And he somehow tries to tie Jesus to the very things that Jesus himself stood opposed to. He, this is the Jesus of Scripture stood opposed to the very same things this author is opposed to. And, and these are not the fruit of the teachings of Jesus being lived out. These are the fruit of the teachings of Jesus being abandoned, even by people who call themselves Christians. And Jesus himself would have written that paragraph of the letter and would have said, I'm opposed to this. So I just want to say that I think this is cheap manipulation for him to try and drag Jesus into this and to blame him, when Jesus actually is not only not to blame for those things, but Jesus went on record, and he should know this, as standing opposed to those very things. You're an interesting fellow. Let me just uh, uh, allow you to finish with this. This guy, Bruxy Cavey, who we were on the phone with, author of The End of Religion, teaching pastor at The Meeting House, Bruxy.com, um, he is a sinner. Uh, he disobeys Scripture. Scripture clearly says, do not get tattoos. <laughs> Bruxy, do you have a tattoo? Yes or no, please? Yes. There you go. I rest my case again. <laughs> Did hey, you hey, ask Drew. what his tattoo was, Drew? Can I ask you a question? Does, right it, does it matter? Does it matter? The Bible says don't get a tattoo. It absolutely matters what his tattoo was. Okay, what's your tattoo, Bruxy? I have Leviticus 19.28 tattooed on my arm. And that scripture verse says? Do not get a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that is the best. And you know what? This is my way of saying the new covenant really is new. It frees us up from the old. We, Jesus brings us into a new way of living, and in fact, the Apostle Paul followed up on that by saying, the letter of the law kills. You try and live by the letter of the law, it will kill you. But the Spirit, the principle behind it, and the new way of being guided by the Spirit and Christ's life of love, that's what gives life. And so, I may have Leviticus 19.28 tattooed on my arm, you disobey Leviticus 19.27, the verse just before that says, if you're a man, you're not to cut your hair or trim your beard. And I've seen you. You do. 
Listen. You're just listen, you just don't advertise. Listen, that. God yeah. started the trimming of my hair. <laughs> <All right. laughs> he just wanted so, to know every hair on your head, the number, and so just he make took it them? easier. He no, took make them? it easier. I'll make it easier, yeah. right? Less math for God. Uh, <laughs> yes. So right. really, Hebrews 8.13 says that the Old Covenant is now obsolete. Obsolete, that's a strong word. It means it's worn out and no longer used. Like no, well, hold on. What that means is the Jews are wrong. Uh, uh, listen, God works certain ways for certain periods of time. And so the Old Testament was right as a provisional covenant for a period of time. But even the Old Covenant, even the Hebrew Bible, prophesies that there's a new covenant coming. Embedded within that way is the promise that things are going to change, and they're going to change radically, and God will write His law on the human heart, and His Spirit will be poured out on all people. All of that promise is part of the Hebrew Covenant. So we honor it, we respect it, we don't throw out that part of our Bible, but we get excited about the new coming. And then it came, it came in Jesus. It's a beautiful and freeing way to live, because we're saved not only from our sin, we're saved from our religion. Brexit Cavey, author of the bestseller, End of Religion, and teaching pastor at the Meeting House, one of the largest, most innovative churches in Canada, church for people who aren't into church. That's what they try to be to those who have given up maybe on religion. They think uh, also think that Jesus gave up on religion, too. The Meeting House is a multi-site church with communities around the world who share the same vision, to create safe places for spiritual seekers to ask questions and develop a thoughtful faith. Brexy's engaging style, scholarly rigor, and refreshing honesty make him a popular guest on television, radio, and at university campuses around the world. Did Boy, my mom write that? I was just going to say that. <laughs> Where did you get That's amazing. Okay, then. Listen, if people were going to come to the Meeting House uh, tomorrow, would they get a, uh, a little message about, yeah. the, about the Magi? Tomorrow, this holiday season, we are talking about the gospel, the good news of being freed up from the old covenant of the law, that God came to show us his love, save us from sin, set up his kingdom, and shut down religion. And we're talking about that whole message, starting with the fact that it begins with God coming to earth in the form of Christ. So it's a Christmas message, it's a gospel message, it's a new covenant message, it's a message about freedom from religion. I like you. We're fans. We're fans. Let's hang out. Broxy, appreciate it, man. Merry Christmas to you, buddy. Hey, thank you. And thanks for all you do, Drew. I really appreciate you um, being provocative in all the right ways. Oh, hold on. I didn't ask you the big question. Yeah. If Jesus never had sex, then do you think he masturbated? Um, Maybe. I don't know. Will you get in trouble for saying that? Because Jesus doesn't think, he never thought about sex once. Well, it's the question of the Old Covenant versus New Covenant. Well, the Bible says he would <laughs> spill his seed. Yeah, the there you that, go. Uh, spill his seed. Right. The, the, that's a great question. You know, the Bible says that he was tempted every way we are, yet without sin. So it all depends on whether you think masturbation is a sin or not, or whether you think having a wet dream is a sin or not, or thinking about sex is a sin or not. I think a lot of things we call sin are actually just temptation. These thoughts come, these feelings come, and we call it a sin, and we freak out and feel guilty and condemned, when actually it's a temptation. It's what you do with that. Do you use right. it to manipulate other people? Do you use it to um, turn people into sex objects? Yeah. Or do you respond appropriately? And you, well, he could cure blindness, so it wouldn't stop matter. Stop it! <laughs> um, so what do you say, Bruxy, to all the people who would be very upset about the fact that I just asked you, if Jesus never had sex, then did he masturbate? Is that an inappropriate... Um, am I going no. to hell for that? Am I Should I be off the radio waves for that? What do you think? Oh, here, John, the apostle, wrote in Second John, he said, anyone who says that Jesus did not come in the flesh, and he doesn't say soma, which is body, but flesh, 
which is like the earthy, gritty humanness, not just the detached soma. He had a body, but he came in the flesh. And he, oh dear, I'm catching <laughs> this. Oh, oh, God. Oh, Thank you. Tim, can you not scream in the mic? All right, ladies and gentlemen, Rexy Gavey. Well, listen, I'll just say anyone who says he didn't come in his full earthiness is the Antichrist, he says. Okay. Is the person, all right. So I'm isolating that sound clip, yeah. buddy. I am isolating that and sending that around yeah. the world. Be new bumper. Oh, Maranatha. Oh. Okay. Good to talk to you, man. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get out of that. That was too funny. Too funny. Oh, wait, are we allowed to laugh? No. Well, under the new covenant weekend. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat this thing. The sounding joy.